Good morning, church. Did you have a good week? Yeah. Even through the trials, we can see God's hand at work, can't we? Even through the confusion, he has a plan. Let's pray. Good morning, Father. Thank you for this time that you give to us to come to your house, to be in your presence. Now is your time to speak. I pray that my words will be your words, that we will hear the message that you have for us today. But most of all, Father, I just pray that you'll continue to allow us to experience you here this morning as you embrace us, encourage us, support us, unconditionally love us, and wrap your arms around us as any father would. For we are your children, and we're so thankful to be here today. In your name I pray. Amen. I chose the sermon today called Productive Parenting. You may say, why? Look at this church. The young families, the children that are here in this church. We saw essence of it this morning with the kindergarten kids. I meet with the conference every other month in a cluster meeting. And I can't help but brag about you. Because I hear comments about other churches that are dying, other churches that are experiencing problems, other churches that have just lost their youth. And I go, not my church. It's nothing that I do, it's what God does. Amen? And he has done something phenomenal within this church within the last 10 years. We have young families, single moms, single dads, grandparents who have stepped up to the plate to be there for their kids. This is a family church. And we are all part of this family of God. But with every good picture that we look at, there always seems to be a, slip, a flip side of it. Back in the year 2000, a gentleman by the name of George Knight, a lot of you are familiar with him from Andrews, a professor, wonderful author, gentleman who thinks outside the box. He gave a talk at the General Conference in Toronto, and it was entitled, If I Were the Devil. Ooh, doesn't that sound enticing? If I Were the Devil. If you ever want to get a copy of it, let me know, because I'll tell you, it has rocked my boat. Let me share with you a comment here that he had written. If I Were the Devil, which is one of my favorite games, this is... George speaking, I would pit all of my energies against the human elements in God's plan as his church seeks to move from the present into the future. 
In fact, if I were the devil, I would plan my strategy very carefully. I would have a well-thought-out plan for frustrating the church and its mission. The devil just isn't sitting by, folks, and doing nothing. The very first thing that George says here, if I were the devil... I would focus on, well, he said the first thing on my agenda would be the upcoming generation of Adventists. If I were the devil, I would put my best energies into getting the church to reject the ideas and the plans of the coming generation. The devil is not a dumb one. He knows that if he can discourage the best of our, gener of our young people from taking over the church, it will be dead or dying. That's a pretty sobering thought when you think about it. We are blessed here, but I have sat within other people and other churches within our conference, and they are struggling because their church is dying. Did you know that 70 to 80% of the kids leave the church when they turn 18 years old? And many millennials don't return. God is doing something different here, though. He's doing something different. We can lead our children to Christ, but we can't make them disciples, can we? Well, I want my children to make good and godly choices as they grow up. I hold fast to the promise that God can redeem anything, even bad choices. Do you believe that he can? I hold on to the fact that God often uses our mistakes and failures, our mistakes and failures to lead us back to him. There is nothing that God can't do. When we say that we have failed, he says, no, no. You're, you're my child. Your children, my children, are a blessing from God. Amen? A gift that brings an abundance of joy and privilege of teaching God's ways to the minds of these little children that God has entrusted us with. And because actions and beliefs go hand in hand, lessons that they learn from you and me will shape their lives forever. I enjoyed it when I first came into the church that Becky and I had the chance to teach kindergarten. Being new into the church, that was the best place for me. Because I related with the kids just like that. But one thing I discovered with these kids, that their minds were like sponges, pliable, absorbent. Everything we gave to them, they just soaked it up. They're not hard at all. 
In fact, all of these kids that stood up here today, their minds were sponges, taking the song, the memory verses, retaining it because they love Jesus. I talked with Karen and she said, oh, it's such a joy to work with these kids. And I can relate at that age. They are a blessing. But something happens as time progresses and we become adults or maybe older kids and our minds are a little hard. Something has taken place. The influence of the world, the struggles, the pain, the disappointment, the hurt, the lies, the discouragement has taken its toll upon this individual and their mind is no longer pliable. And it's hard. And it's so sad to see that because in God's eyes, we are all his children. And he wants our minds to be able to think in the same concept. How we live is based upon what we believe. Do you agree that? I'll repeat that. How we live is, is what we believe. We're, we're a walking billboard. We're a model. Here's the text that I'm sure that all of you have read at some time or another, especially you of parents. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6. There's something about that text that should jump out at you. It should just resonate with you. And it's one word. Train. Train. Train up a child in the way that he should go. Now all of you know me. And when the Lord gets a hold of me, we go all different directions. So I'm going to take a sidestep today. I want to be able to talk to you about something, but don't lose the concept of parenting children, okay? Because I think in the story here, there's a parallel that will be beneficial. Five years ago last March, Becky and I became proud parents. To our little Kitzel. Since she's a German shepherd, Becky says she's got to have a German name. So Kitzel is, means tickle. And she definitely tickled us with those floppy ears. But she wasn't just a little ordinary six-month-old puppy. She was abused. She was abandoned. She was beaten. And when we had God in our possession... We fell in love with her just like that. You've all heard the story. It was during a series when Ron Sidney was speaking here in March. 
Kitzel stayed in the prayer room with Becky for the entire time. In fact, I had to carry Kitzel everywhere for the first few weeks. She would not come when I called. I had to take her and carry her to the vet. I had to carry her outside. This little girl was damaged. Damaged. And here, Becky and I, all we knew was to love. We're going to love her like our children. So, of course, we give her all the right things, the toys, the chew things. Doesn't she look, I love that left ear. I kept thinking if that left ear could just stay like that as an adult, she would be a doll. But I'm sure she'd be embarrassed. <laughs> and so we did our very best to be able to work with Kitzel. But see, Kitzel had a problem. She thought differently than us. In fact, we probably weren't even on the same page with her that we should have been as her guardians. If you came to our house, you would not see Kitzel run to you at the door. Most likely, you would find her under the stool. That was her safe domain. I love the eyes, don't you? She still has those eyes to this day. She looks at me and melts my heart. But she felt safe there. But Becky and I just didn't seem to get a handle on what she needed Go back to the scripture, train up a child as they should go. Well, found out that as we were reading some books later in life, two, three years have passed, and we continue to love our little Kitzel. Unfortunately, she had social problems. Fortunately, unfortunately, she would not bond with anyone except Becky and me. Our social relationships kind of <coughs> died of having people come over. If they did, they'd have to tell us when they had to go to the bathroom because if you stood up for a moment just like that, she would go into <coughs> a difficult dog. Little did we know that German Shepherd dogs are reliable, self-confident, and loyal to a fault. These well-loved and intelligent dogs should be socialized and obedience trained when they are puppies. <laughs> we blew it. We blew it. And we were beside ourselves. We got a trainer. Trainer came over to evaluate Kitzel. In the process, he goes, your, your dog got a problem. But you and Becky have a bigger problem. He had to retrain us. Hmm. Can that be with parenting? When you're a parent, do you think you know it all? You have it all? You have all the information you need? Because I'll tell you, at this point, Becky and I felt, whew, we've lost it. There's no hope at all for this dog. 
as I started reading different books and talking to people, I came across some different training things. I hope you're going to be patient with me today. My time is flying. There's a lot of similarities in this dog training books that have to do with parent and children. For example, the do's. The do's when it comes to puppies. Be nice to your puppy every time he comes to you, even if coming back from an unexpected romp around the neighborhood or doing something disgusting. You parents are chuckling because you know your child does the same thing. Consistently reward correct behaviors with praise. Did you see the word correct behavior? Give a command only once. Show him again if he doesn't get it right. How many times have you been to the supermarket and followed the woman with children in the cart? I could tell you their names real easily. <laughs> Use your dog's name to get his attention and then tell him what you want him to do. That was crucial. The trainer says, I have to do something to get the attention of the dog to look at me. I just can't talk to Kitzel when she's gazing out there or looking at a squirrel. She has to be attentive to me. When she's attentive to me, then I can be able to talk to her. Use a normal tone of voice when you give a command. Your dog's hearing is quite acute. You don't need to yell. Be consistent in your actions and expectations. Provide a daily outlet, an outlet for your dog's energies. Keep your dog mentally stimulated with training. If you're anything like our dog, you better buy abundance of these. She loves to fetch now. But see, it also says to keep your dog mentally stimulated. She loves to play hide and seek in the house. And she's good. We put her on the bed, we tell her to stay, and we go back in the bedrooms and hide it under a pillow. We come out and we give her release command. And she runs and she's all over. Give her some time and she comes out with this in her mouth. We praise her. Good job. Oh, you can just see it in her eyes. Didn't I do good? Children are no different. And she wants to do it again and again and again. But the thing is, we were mentally exercising her. As you'll see later on, the importance of exercising her mental mind, not just her actions. Understand that your dog is a social animal. See, at this point, we kind of had checked that one off that nobody's going to be able to come to our house. When they did, we put her in the car. When it was right temperature in the garage, okay. She has a kennel that maybe she would go into. We still struggle. We still struggle. Train him that he can be a part of your family. Oh, Kitzel knows that she's a part of our family, but she's not going to allow you to be a part of it. You know your place, and that's outside the front door. 
Make learning fun for your dog. Spend plenty of time with your dog and give him exercise every day. Yeah, that wasn't always possible. Be patient, and your dog will reward you by getting the message. Do you see any similarities here as the positive things with raising a child? Oh, it's prevalent. But wait till you get to the don'ts. Don't do anything that your dog perceives as unpleasant when he comes to you. Don't nag your dog by repeating commands. Nagging teaches him to ignore you. There's that lady in the shopping cart again. Those kids are oblivious to mom. Jimmy, John, get back in. Sally, Jimmy. <clears throat> She's lost it. Mom has lost control. Don't use your dog's name and then expect him to read your mind as to what you want. Whew, that's marriage counseling. <laughs> Be aware, guys. We'll get that into counseling. We have this thing that we say something expecting you to read the mind. Dogs are no different. Don't expect your dog to know what the word no means. I told Jimmy no. I told him no. I really did, honey. I told him no. Don't yell at your dog. He's not deaf. Raising your voice doesn't help. Got that, parents? Don't lock, your, don't lock up your dog or put him out because you haven't trained him to behave. Please don't do that to your children. Don't isolate your dog. He's a social animal. Children are a social creation. Don't expect your dog to obey a command that you haven't taught him. That makes sense, doesn't it? How many times have I told my sons Charlie and Josh something? It's just they look, they look at me like a deer in headlights. They're oblivious of what I'm talking about. Because in reality, I've neglected to inform them or clarify to them what my expectations were. I need to have them understand where I'm, I need to have them on the same page as me. Dogs are no different. Don't get too serious in your training. Don't reward undesired behaviors. That was the very first thing when the trainer came over. And she was right there between Becky's legs and the trainer sat right there. And she growled, and Becky's going, kids, open up, kids, open up, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Trainer says, what you're doing, you're rewarding her. You're rewarding her for growling at me. So I took Becky outside for a walk. <laughs> I want to change that behavior. It hasn't worked. 
Don't neglect your dog. I wouldn't have to think, I got to tell you as a parent, not to neglect your child. But you know what? The world gets so busy at times. Don't give up when the going gets tough. Keep trying. How many times have you ever heard that? Don't give up when the tough gets going. Come on. Don't be a quitter. Keep trying. I like the last one. Don't blame the dog. You're his teacher. Don't blame the child. You're the parent. It's your responsibility to train up your child. Last week, Sergio said that we have a dog that has anxiety. Boy, does she. I know there's some other ones in here as well who has a shepherd with the same problems. Not as bad, but it's real. It's real. We always say we've got a dysfunctional child. But the thing is, though, if I have a dog that has anxiety as a parent, as a trainer, as a, oh, what do you want to call me? I should learn what can I do for my dog. I could take my dog out for a two-mile walk, get on my bicycle, and ride two more miles, and I mean hard, and sometimes she would be leading me like a dog sled, thinking any day I could crash. And what do I tell Becky? I don't even have the phone. Four in the morning. That's kind of stupid, isn't it? I'm laying there in the gutter. But, and she would get home, and she would lay down, and it was just like, Let's go some more. I'm thinking, I am dead tired, Kitzel. The trainer says, well, your mistake, Fred, is this. Exercise her mind. What do you mean? Exercise her mind. So we went out, and we got a treadmill. <laughs> Be patient here if it works. I'm just getting tired watching her. <laughs> Notice her eyes. She would do that. Well, the, the trainer says no more than 15 minutes. Come to find out 15 minutes, we would turn it off. And she would lay down in her bed. She was mentally exhausted. <laughs> and Becky looked at me. Get on the treadmill, Fred. <laughs> Only took me two minutes. But Kissel has been a joy in our life. She's a part of our life. I'm hoping that this summer in the park that we can able to bring her, that she can meet you. She's in my office most of the time with me during the week. You've heard her. She's getting better. But I'm proud of Kitzel. In fact, Kitzel likes to 
make her pose as Ren Tin Tin last Christmas. When we take her out walking, there's the trainer again. When you take your dog out walking, just don't go walking. Well, wait a minute. That's why we're taking her out walking. No, when you take your dog out walking, have her jump up on everything. Rocks, transformers, not cars. When she gets over here, now turn around and go backwards. Now go forwards. You see a car, walk around the car. I told Becky, I'm sure our neighbors are watching us from the window. <laughs> that family is crazy. Because it may take us an hour or half an hour just to get to the end of the block. We're around trees, driveways. Why? Because it makes her be dependent upon me. Otherwise, she goes into cruise control and just walks. That makes sense. Train up a child. Man, the things that I have learned about a dog, I wish I could do it again. I think my boys turned out okay. You're asking, Pastor Fred, what does this have to do with training up a child? Well, here again, it's that word train. Train. Becky and I had to come to the point that we were not qualified, nor did we know what to do with this dog. And we asked help. Unfortunately, it was three years too late. No, I shouldn't, I take that back. We should have asked for help a long time before that. We should have asked for help the day we got her. We meant well, we loved her, she loved us. When it was just the three of us, <laughs> we would make commercials together in the car. Heads out the window, ha, that's not Becky, it's the dog, ha, ha. <laughs> but we were such a family. But nobody else could be part of that family. Not even my children. My grandkids, which got concerning. Becky says, we've got to do something. Got a trainer. What about parenting? I see a lot of parents out here. Do you have all the answers? Do you know it all? Have you had to seek help from somebody else on this journey of parenting? Yeah. It ain't easy. I told this young couple down here marriage takes work. Parenting, uh, I think sometimes takes even harder work. It's a responsibility that God gives to each one of us. And what a joy that is. But it takes work. We just can't go on cruise control and expect to accomplish whatever it is. There is no promise here that the child will never sow some wild oats, does it? It says, train up a child. Train. That child might go out and sow some wild oats in his life or her life. 
The promise that the child would eventually return home to the truth upon which he or she was raised. It's the seeds that were planted into their minds when they were pliable. It's almost to the point, what is it? Dog's years are seven to R1? Five? That means Kitzel 35. No wonder. She's trying her best. She has things which is called a trigger. It seems to trigger her. She can't control it. She's getting better, but she can't control it. Charlie comes over. He's finally learning to get to with her to pet her. And Kissel does this to come up to him for, her, for him to pet her. <laughs> come on, pet. <laughs> Doesn't that want you to reach down there and put your hand down there? <laughs> it's like, I can't turn it off. I really want to be petted. I love you. <laughs> I feel for her. But I'm going, I know people like that. They're locked into a behavior. They want to change. It's embedded. They're not as pliable. This promise is for those who train their children during their formative years. Got it? Formative years. Improper conduct with positive correction and with personal counsel in the way that he should go. That means investing time. There is no more powerful example of this truth than told in the story of the prodigal son found in Luke 15. Powerful piece, isn't it? We all know it as the prodigal son. But in actuality, God takes center stage in this story. The father, the father that God is wanting us to see Take center stage. There are three important things that I want us to take away today. That we see the Father with open hands saying, I receive you. Dad was wise enough to know that the way to keep his child was to open his hands and let him go. Not being an Adventist my life, growing up as a Methodist, not familiar with academy life, coming into this church having two wonderful boys, but when my oldest came up to me and said, Dad, I believe God wants me to go to Auburn beginning of my 10th grade year. I'm not accustomed to that. See, see, I've always been there for him. 
I could be anywhere, and all he has to do is call me on the phone, and I could be there to my son in five minutes or so. I'm his dad. He said, I, 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 Dad, I, need, I believe God wants me to go to school in Auburn. You're not even 16 yet. Dad? Can I ask Ruth what that was like? Because after I dropped him off and came home with Charlie, dropped Charlie, Charlie off at the academy and went to Ruth's house and just sobbed like a baby. Here was a father who was prepared to stand by the truth that he had poured into his son since childhood. He had done good molding the child, planting the seeds while it was yet fertile. And now you have to let go to let this take place. In fact, here the truth found in Proverbs 22, 6, and it unfolds right before our eyes. Some parents hold on to their children too tight that they lose them. That's kind of an oxymoron statement when you think about it. What do you mean, lose them? I got a hold of them. They're right here. So what if he's 44? I got my son right here. The dad was wise enough to know there came a time when he had to open his hand and let his son go. I love you, son. I love you. One of the hardest things I have ever done. But one of the best things I have ever done. What are you looking at up there? Is it going crazy? Is it hiding? These balloons, they get awful shy. I don't know why. But you know, in every generation, there are always some prodigals. Josh wasn't a prodigal. But in our lives here, there are some prodigals who choose to go their own direction. But yet, if we have done our job, the Lord promises that they will come home. I release you. See him with open arms saying, I receive you. <laughs> when the boy came to himself after he was feeding the pigs and he ran out of money, my dad's workers got it better than I do. Decided to come home. I love it in Luke when it says, when he was still a great way off, the father saw him. What does that say about the dad? He, he wasn't tending to his needs around the house. He was constantly maybe stop and look at the horizon to see down the road. Is today the day? Could he be coming today? 
See, this father had anticipation. Anticipation. Makes me wonder as a Christian, Lord, is today today? Is today the day? But one thing the father did that he ran out and he met him with open arms. He didn't have any pointed fingers at him. He didn't say, what on the world were you doing? And he didn't say, why in the world did you do this to your mother? Blame. All he did was he came up to the son with open arms. With open arms. Do you see the picture? The boy came walking, but the father, he went running. Folks, the father in this story is God. You know that. When we turn to God, we may walk, but God runs. He runs to us with open arms. This boy didn't come back with the same attitude that he left, with the same spirit. He was repented. Or he repented. He came to a father who received him with open arms. Father says, I receive you. We see him as an open heart saying, I restore you. Most notable characteristic of this model that father are his presence of his transparency. He was there for his sons no matter what their problems were. The most valuable gift that he gave them was his presence. Presence. I'm sorry if I'm running too long, guys. But there's a message in here. I look back on my own life with my MS, and I can sit there and make a list of all the positives and negatives. Negatives can maybe just uh, be okay here. Positives. It's still going. It's still going. But one thing that I have found to be true with what the Lord allowed me to experience with this disease was I changed my priorities. And I told myself, life may be short. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what I'm going to be like. So I'm going to enjoy every day I can with my boys. Every spring break, every opportunity, I wanted to be there to make memories. Because I told my boys, hey, dad's not rich. I'm not going to give you a bunch of wealth. But I can give you memories. Presence. You know, we lose sight that that gift is so valuable. But then again, too, when the festivities and the homecoming party was at its peak, where was dad at? Where was dad at? Remember, there was another son. 
We find him outside with a wounded older brother, assuring him of his love and support. Son, I, I, I love you. Your brother was lost. He was dead, and he's home. But son, I still love you. There are three things that I want to have takeaways for you when you leave this church today. We all, we all need parents like this one father. With an open hand and with wisdom enough to know that the way to lose your child is to hold them too tightly and that the way of ultimately keep them is to let them go when the time is right. Two, we need to be parents with open arms, always ready to make a way for our children's new beginnings. It's their life. We need to rejoice with them. We need to celebrate with them. They're becoming young adults. It's not all about me. God's going, it's not all about me, but yet I want your love. I want that relationship. I want something that we have that will bond us together. And that's why I can rest assured that I can be here at peace with my oldest son and his family back in Michigan. Because God has a plan for him. And he's doing his thing that I have released him to do with the Lord's direction and effort and with his family. Third, and we need to be parents with open hearts that are both transparent and encouraging. Ah. Parents, do not ever, ever miss the opportunity of taking your child in your hands and saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for my attitude. I'm sorry for what I said. I'm sorry for my behavior. That was not right of me at all. Transparency will go miles for you as a parent. The real message of Jesus' story is that our Heavenly Father deals with us the same way that the Father did with His Son. God our Father has opened up His arms to us. And he waits. We are not puppets. We are real people. We are not something that can be controlled. We have a mind. We can make a choice. We can choose God. We cannot. What a gift of choice that he gives to us. It's hard to even imagine that the love that we return back to him is, is valuable to him. My love, that he treasures my love, I'm just a peon. But to him, I am everything. He, like the Father, meets us on the road with open arms. And never were those arms opened as wide as they were on the cross. Remember the child, I say, how much does Jesus love you? 
this much, this much. Finally, God shows us his open heart. He opened it on Calvary for the whole world to see, and he invites each one of us here today to take the opportunity to come to him. That's what it's all about. That's what Christianity is all about. It's an invitation to us, his children. Come, come, come. He has open arms. Come as you are. There's nothing, nothing that will separate you from me, he says. Come. Last week, two people made a commitment to God in the baptistry, and boy, what a celebration. I know heaven was rejoicing. I heard it, Charlie. I heard them singing and partying up there. And they'll continue to party and celebrate when each one of us has a chance. There are those who are children here of God, and I thank the Lord for that. But there are those who may need to make a decision, and God is saying, come. Come. Don't wait. Don't wait. As a dad with MS, I didn't know what tomorrow held. I said, Lord, I got to make sure that I fill the day with what it can be because I don't know what the next day will hold. And we don't here today either. God stands before you and he says, come. Run and jump in his arms because he loves you unconditionally. Unconditionally.